I'm Cesar Rubio, five-time past master of Palm Springs Laws number 693, and this is Masonic Muscle, where we focus on the strongest aspect of Freemasonry, a virtuous education of the mind, fortifying it with wise and serious truths, encouraging all brethren to increase their level of fitness one degree at a time, making exercise and study a cornerstone of your daily routine, because Freemasonry is work. When you put in the work, get closer and closer to the point within the circle. Masonic Muscle, we give you more light, but no light weights. We're here to pump you up, body, mind, and soul. Welcome back, welcome back. And uh, I didn't put an episode out last week, so apologies for that, but I'm going to make up for that for all of you. And I'm going to start off real quick, man. I was listening to a podcast and I've heard uh, about this article and what inspired it. And it's an article by uh, Robert H. Johnson, the creator of Once Came You, and it's called Freemasonry Isn't Dying, It's Refining. So let me get started right off the bat. He says, I've been researching Freemasonry for about 10 years now, and there seems to be no shortage of information, ideas, and general complaining about our membership numbers. That is, the number of Freemasons in the United States and its decline over time. The obsession over these membership numbers has been covered ad nauseum. Fixing things has long been the goal. I'm not sure that we need to fix anything. It seems as though Freemasonry is correcting itself in that we are reverting to the small, refined group we once were, composed of knowledgeable, carefully selected, and true brothers. When I ran surveys galore, as expressed by a post on Blinded by the Light, it was interesting to see that take on it my piece, and John Ruark's research into our decline. The aforementioned blog is stating the elephant in the room is that the Grand Lodge system itself is to blame for the downfall of membership. And in part, it's true, but perhaps not why you think. I think I'm going to say something here which not many people, possibly no one has said quite this way before. We aren't losing members, and we aren't dying, and we aren't going anywhere. Your respective Grand Lodge, on the other hand, may be. Let me explain. In 1924, the Masonic Services Association started keeping track of the number of Freemasons in the United States. This number was based on regular lodges under the respective Grand Lodge system of that state. You can look at those numbers by clicking here. Notice the rapid rise and the mega decline. At a point, we had almost 6 million members. Now we only have about 1.2 million according to 2014. I suspect we will have even less when the 2015 numbers come out. Grand Lodges are consistently pushing membership drives and one-day conferrals, amendments to the way Freemasons progress through the degrees and much more. But none of it is helping. Brother John Ruark of the Masonic Roundtable did an excellent presentation this last year about membership number numbers, which I mentioned above. 
You can watch it here. There's a link. In short, non-payment of due suspensions and deaths are the culprit of dropping membership, coupled with the fact that not many men are joining. According to a recent Pew poll, the percentage of Americans who have a belief in a supreme being is decreasing. The target audience for masonry is dwindling. Read about it here. After all this, though, consider these statements. At masonry's peak, from an educational standpoint, Freemasonry was small. The influx of men into the fraternity during the 50s and 60s was an anomaly. The craft built an empire based on an influx of men and treated that night number as the new normal, that high number, I'm sorry, as the new normal, which for whatever reason, they still measure us against today. Now that we are returning to normal numbers, the craft is trying to figure out ways to sustain the top heavy elements we built. What I'm saying, brothers, is that the membership drives are to sustain what was erroneously built based on a false presumption about what Masonic membership numbers would be in the future. We are returning to the smaller group we once were, and that's okay. When I asked for a peer review of this piece, my brother said, I'm left asking myself, what do I do with this information? I'm not sure you can do anything with this information other than let it give you comfort. Comfort in knowing things are just fine. We are returning to our original purpose, our original aim. The Masonic Utopia. If we look at the number of actual mem members who are active, about 5%, and we divided them into about 2,000 lodges around the United States, we'd have about 30 members per lodge. Is that so bad? The question is left on how to facilitate those lodges in that kind of system. First, I'd say we need to do what the UK has done and establish a national grand lodge. Abolish progressive lines. Get rid of all dependent bodies with the exception of York and the Scottish Rite, which I uh, disagree with that one, especially Scottish Rite, and move business meetings to a quarterly basis. I do agree with that. Joining the appendant bodies would only be granted after service to a lodge for a set of number of years. Yeah, that's a good one. Sounds interesting, right? More Masonic education, less business. I think I know a lodge that's starting to do that right now. In conclusion, next time someone says masonry is dying, make sure you tell them, tell them we're not dying. We are refining. All right. So, article by Robert Johnson, past master, and he's the managing editor of the Midnight Freemason blog, which is where I'm reading this from. Pretty interesting, right? Freemasonry is not dying. <clears throat> it's refining, according to Robert Johnson. And I'd like to hit this um, starting from the beginning. And the obsession over these membership numbers has been covered ad nauseum. This is true. This is true. He says, fixing things has long been the goal. I'm not sure that we need to fix anything. Well, brother, I'm sorry to tell you we do. We do need to fix some things. And you just said so later on in the article where you said that um, getting rid of progressive lines, um, 
making members wait, you know, a number of years uh, before they actually join appendant bodies, getting rid of grand lodges, right? Uh, and forming into one, you know, we need to, your words were, we need to, we need to do what the UK has done and, and establish a national grand lodge. So one grand lodge for the whole United States. And let's go back to the, to the top. It says, uh, I'm not sure that we need to fix anything. It seems as though Freemasonry is correcting itself and that we are reverting to the small, refined group we once were, composed of knowledgeable, carefully selected, and true brothers. All right. Um, I don't know if we're reverting back to those uh, small lodges because even if uh, you, know, you, you apply the 10% rule, if you had a lodge that has 300 members, you apply the 10% rule, that means that only 30% is going to show up. So, you know, um, there you go. You get your, your 30 that he's talking about. He says, uh, reverting to a small, refined group we once were. I don't know about that. I don't know if we were a, f a refined, uh, smaller group. I don't know about that. Uh, during that time, it was, um, you know, in the 1700s, in 1717, 1723, when all this was, was being formulated, the three-degree system. Uh, those lodges, be, just because of the way society was formed, was just smaller. So your lodges were going to be smaller. You even had lodges that had, there was no evidence that the master uh, or the, uh, you know, the governing body, the, the other leadership were, you know, um, advanced. You know, they probably stay in their chairs three, five, six, seven years and then finally advanced because there was just not that much uh, turnover. And then it says, refined group we once were, composed of knowledgeable, carefully selected, and true brothers. I don't know if they were, well, I mean, now we're trying to form a composed of knowledgeable, carefully selected, and true brothers. Uh, but even, even with us guarding the West Gate, we are still, you, we're still battling what, what any organization will battle. You know, there are some unscrupulous men that will do it say and do whatever it takes to get in and uh we have to be on constant watch to do that so um that's the first two paragraphs that i just went over right now and again this this article is called freemasonry isn't dying it's refining well right off the bat i can tell you that uh Freemasonry has been dying. Oh, what do you mean by that, Caesar? Uh, I'm glad you asked. What I mean by that is that um, whenever a lodge opens, you never know when, and it gets its charter, and now it's official, and they're a fully functioning uh, Masonic body. You never know how long they have. You know, they, they, they worked hard. This group of brothers got together, and they wanted to open up a brand new lodge. And then uh, 10 years later, they have to either surrender a charter or they uh, have their charter revoked because of something, and there you go. And so, you know, because of that, Freemasonry free in certain parts of not only the United States, but around the world has been dying for, for some time. Uh, 
And uh, that's the ebb and flow of any organization. This has been some of my experience being a Mason and talking to other brothers and hearing their story and hearing how lodges, um, you know, they, they came together, uh, they consolidated. And then um, that consolidated lodge had to surrender its charter because they just couldn't get any interest in the membership and they consolidated with someone else. So, you know, it's, it's been... It's been an ebb and flow of, of uh, the life of a law, just like any other organization. You know, if you do not have, as a group, if you do not have an idea as to why you're showing up and what your direction is and what your goal and your expectations are clear, guess what? And even if you had expectations and then you, re you began to r relax some of those expectations, you might as well not have any expectations. You know, we're here to do something. We're here to work. We're here to, to uh, improve ourselves and not make this thing easy. Not us make this thing easy. Freemasonry has never been easy. So anything that claims, and I don't know when that that slogan you know we take a good man and make him better i don't know when that came about but whenever you put something out like that you better be ready for the men coming knocking knocking at the door to begin to ask the question well how are you going to make me better and that lodge better have an answer and it better be consistent across the board so if i went to a lodge and i wasn't a member and i knocked and i began to know everybody and i began to ask them hey well how are you going to make me better how's this lodge going to make me better Every single member should have a very similar answer. If I start getting all kinds of, uh, you know, different answers, that, then, then you know everyone's not on the same page. You know, they don't have a vision. They don't have a mission statement. You know, better business practices, guys. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So... <clears throat> You know, in, in past episodes, I've been talking about uh, exercising. I've been talking about weightlifting and walking. What I haven't been talking about is another way to get in shape. There are many different ways to get in shape. One of them being boxing, right? So I have an article here from Bill Hamburn and his Super Strength Training. Awesome website. Go to his website. Check it out. He has all kinds of um, articles and also books and courses that are hard to find or they're out of print. He found them and he reprints them for your benefit, for my benefit. And this is what he has to say in this article. He says, resistance exercise for boxers. Check this out. For the most part, successful boxers are of the physical type that would be classified as predominantly mesomorphic. These men appear muscular and are strong as a result of their general training. So it might seem that weight training is superfluous. Superfluous. Is that a word that's common to masonry? Have, if you're a mason, you've been going to lodge for a while. Have you ever heard that word before? Superfluous? Let me continue. A number of weight trained men have been successful boxers. However, 
So it is possible that the strength they develop from lifting weights may have helped them in their pugilistic careers. Among the more successful boxers who used weights before or during their competitive days were Olympic champion Bill Bozio and professionals Randy Turpin and Bob Baker. And Evander Holyfield, you guys remember that. The primary concern of the following program is to develop strength in the arms and shoulders for punching power. But exercises are included to strengthen the legs, the two pillars, yes sir, and develop the neck and abdominal muscles to act as shock absorbers. Number one, alternate presses with dumbbells, driving arms up to full lockout rapidly. Number two, alternate curls, curl from side to shoulder with dumbbells. Number three, supine press with barbell, hands spaced slightly wider than the points of the shoulders. In case you're wondering what supine is, supine is what they used to call the bench press. And then, you know, later on, it became the bench press. Or it was called the bench press, but that's what they used to call it. Number four, full squats or squats to knee-height bench with barbell across shoulders. Number five, bent arm lateral raise lying supine on bench. Number six, sit up with weight behind head, preferably with feet at high end of board slanted 10 to 20 degrees. Number seven, wrestler's bridge with weight held on chest. Number eight. Running or rope skipping and punching light and heavy bags. The weight resistance exercises should be done two or three sets of 10 repetitions for each arm in the movements with alternate action. It might seem that the pressing would be far more important than curling due to its similarity to punching, but it is also important to develop the biceps in order to maintain strongly bent arms when hooking. Using barbells, dumbbells, bodyweight exercises, etc. is nothing new for those that participate in strenuous competitive sports. Why? Because conditioning is extremely important. As a matter of fact, the sport that arguably requires the best conditioning is wrestling. The legendary professional wrestler Carl Gotch once remarked, in wrestling, your best hold is conditioning. Famous Olympic and college wrestling champion and NCAA coach Dan Gabler once commented, Once you have wrestled, everything else in life is easy. The best and most sought-after book for getting into top-notch condition contains over 400 pages of text and 550 photos and illustrations. It is highly recommended by wrestling coaches and personal trainers. Click on the following link and order your copy today. And the book, the name of the book is... Wrestling Physical Conditioning Encyclopedia and Pedia by John Jesse. There you go. And that is our, what, maybe five, ten minutes of physical training. Have you been getting out there? Have you been doing it? Hey, and you officers, you know, your time is getting short. November is elections in all lodges. And um, if you are trying to advance in your chair, if you're trying to prove your worth and trying to uh, get that, get the lodge to vote for you on your merit, start exercising your Masonic muscle, start memorizing stuff, start getting those lectures dialed in, your floor work dialed in, and... 
you know, strengthen your lodge. And with that, I will leave you. These strong sessions are calculated to inculcate in the mind of the novitiate the importance of subduing our passions and improving ourselves in masonry, feeding the attentive ear with the sound of the instructive tongue, endeavoring to add to the common stock of knowledge and understanding, effectively spreading the cement of knowledge and wisdom, and hopefully some good will towards exercising. Get out there and get your walking in. Open up your ciphers. Study, memorize, and just do it.